Welcome to KGXT, Gen X Talks podcast live from Central California. Making plans with the boys. Gonna hit the town. Yeah, I'm gonna make some noise. I'll push past the pain. And my wounded pride. I'm gonna live it up. Yeah, stay out all night. But should I have had some better times? And I can't count all the tears I've been right. I may be down my last time. Yeah, but the blues to me just fine. Put it down. I know you're checking. Big deal. He's in route. Wow. Um, two hours, fifteen minutes. It says it's going to be twenty you, minutes early. You told me that there was some discussion that he was going to be like an hour and a half late or something because of weather. Yeah. Well, it looks like they left early, which I don't know how <laughs> they do that. That's what it says. They it left says, early. To, they just called out at the airport in Dallas, Fort Worth, and said, "Okay, everybody's on. Let's just go." Well, we're just, not scheduled to leave for another half an hour. Who cares? Everybody's here. Just go. It says six minutes early they left. I didn't know they could do that. I don't know how you can go from being an hour and a half behind schedule on an airline to all of a sudden you look right now and he's 26 minutes early. That's almost a two hour window. I never said an hour and a half early. No, hour and a half late was what the staff thread was talking about. Oh, yeah. There's storms. There's delays. He's an hour and a half late. Now you're talking about him being 26 minutes early. That's almost a two-hour swing. All right. Well, let's just get this podcast done. I already started it. Oh. We're already three minutes oh, in. Oh, my gosh. You do that every single time. Okay. If you don't... if Okay. Here's... here's a, in boxing, they have a thing. Defend yourself at all times. Okay? That means that even after the bell, before the bell, um, if the ref's not looking, you ha- there's a general rule in boxing. Defend yourself at all times. That way, if someone comes up and says, hey, the bell rang. And you ran across the ring and cheap-shotted my guy. Hey, basic rule, defend yourself at all times. I think we should apply that to this podcast. I think you're more like Big Brother. Big Brother is always watching. That is not the direction I would take that conversation. I would tell you, if you're sitting in front of the microphone... Assume it's on. Oh my goodness. That's a fair rule. Well, isn't anyways, it? we're talking about Lionheart, everyone. Lionheart is in oh, route yeah, to yeah. California to get this good gym <laughs> studio done. And you know, I'm saying that with a beautiful smile. Yeah, sure you are. You're angry. Uh, Lionheart OG is a senior staff member here at Gen X Talks, and he is also a really good construction guy. And he's coming out this way to help us complete the studio, which we've kind of put on pause for about four weeks now, and we've been doing so much other stuff around here, we haven't even got a chance to put our hands back on it. I love how you say that, where you're like, oh, could you just, let's with a smile, let's get the studio done, when really what you mean is, get out of my goddamn living room. Mm, take it the way you want it. And if you're going to sit and stare at that phone, I'm hanging up, because that's all you're doing is looking like this. What are you doing? What is on your fucking phone that is so... You were literally going to watch the the plane on the I, tracker for the whole this time. This thing is very interesting. Flight aware. It actually shows the plane like so, moving. So that's the podcast is you watching the plane travel Lionheart's across the sky. Coming. Do you realize that I said like nine sentences and all I got you just like this the whole time oh, until the very me, end? I heard you. And then you went. I heard you. Oh yeah, right. Remember, Whatever. I have nine children. You do not have nine children. You have eight children. I can multitask. Okay. Speaking of children. Uh, it's back to school time. No, it's not. Sure it is. <laughs> Commercials all over TV and radio. Back to school. 
Um, I know. Target's got things on sale. Clothes got to be bought. Yeah. I don't have to do that this year. Okay. Are you happy or sad about that? I can't tell. Uh, mixed feelings. I'm like, I've seen the ads and it's like, oh my gosh, I got it. And then I'm like, oh, oh, I don't have to do that. I went through it a couple times. Like there's six years difference between Kenzie Kid and the last one. So when the last one got done, I had some time you know, and was just having one and it was fine and did it. But now it's like, that's over. But you did it with eight. Yes, I did. Eight kids. Now I'll, for me, I'm, I'm ecstatic. <laughs> well, you got to remember, I'm, I'm working down at the shop, yes. working on cars and you're telling me in July every year, Hey, uh, I got to start buying school clothes. Mm-hmm. I got to start buying school supplies. We had to do it in like, well, yeah, we could, we, batches. well, we didn't have enough money to do it all at once. No, no way. And here was, there was only, there was two different summers. And I want to tell you this. I, I never brought this up to you before. I never complained about it before, but I, cause it wasn't your fault, but I absolutely lost my goddamn mind. <laughs> you went and did your thing. Hey, I need money for shoes. I, you had to make sure the kids had new pants and you, you're going through the stuff. You're trying to buy the deals. You're trying to look for stuff that's on sale. Like yes. you always did. Yes. But you weren't going the cheapest way out. You weren't buying them crap that would wear out. You would try to buy something decent. Right. And school comes around typically at the beginning of September and you came to me two different times over the last 20 some years and you said, listen, uh, um, I did buy the shoes and the pants, but two of our boys have grown in the past eight weeks. And I went, what does that mean? And you're like, they don't fit. And I don't know if they're going to take them, take these clothes back because we bought them, you know, six or seven weeks ago. Right. I was, I'm, I'm pinching, I'm cashing in aluminum cans, man. I know, I couldn't believe it. And then you tell me that they're already, they're, they're wearing floods for pants. And I'm like, yeah. and I told, I made, I made one of our sons put on his shoes. I go, put them on, show me that they don't. <laughs> you did. <laughs> they had like a growth spurt, like the last Unbelievable. six weeks of summer. I was shocked too. Trust me. I was shocked. I was like, wow. Well, I never, yeah. I didn't complain at you because they grew, but. Now that looking back, I wonder, I kind of sit and I think, how did you have to prepare yourself for that conversation? Because you knew I was coming home and you were going to have to tell me and you knew I wasn't going to be happy about it. You just can picture I don't know. you sitting Sometimes there. Sometimes I just got to throw it out there and just go here. He's going to be mad, but just like here, just <laughs> deal with it. Go through the anger and then you'll just, there's nothing I could do about it. It's no, like I had the, no But at the control. end, you know, it was kind of crossing the finish line for me when you'd say, okay, School is yeah. bought and paid for, and I'd go. All right, okay. Now it's Christmas. Pull me a pour me a drink. I'm good to go. And then three days later, um, hold on a second. I know <laughs> some I of the know. stuff doesn't fit. So the other thing we're asked all the time about having eight kids and how we prepped for all kinds of things. And one of the thing was school. I have to tell about. Um, hey, there's your professionalism. Uh, sorry. Turn your it's goddamn the grandson phone. calling. So what? Turn your phone off. I know. I'm sorry. Um, that would have been funny to put him on speakerphone at six years old. I know. He goes, Grammy, heyday. <laughs> My grandson plays heyday with me now. He's I can't believe six he's years six old. years old and he actually comprehends it and calls you and says, I need this to this to this and yes. you need to do. I mean, he well, had, we'll talk about that in a minute. Okay, I'm sorry. We'll talk about ahead. that in a minute. Eight but kids. Everybody's been asking, how do we prep for eight kids? Um, so since we're talking about school, I designated my laundry room closet to be the school supply room. Yeah. The school supply closet. It's still, so, still kind of like that. It is. And so now I need to like purge it because <laughs> there's no kids anymore that no, need but you this know, stuff. You know how good you were at that? Because over 
over time, even even if it was in spring or beginning of summer, yes. if paper went on sale, yeah. if pens and pencils went on sale, you'd buy that stuff. And I'm telling you, I don't think there was ever a time in the last 20 some years of our marriage that a kid didn't go, I need a new folder. Go check the closet. I got, you got folders? I do. Yeah. I got folders, pens, papers, everything that they needed. You had some. Yeah, you stocked up. Do you guys remember? I, I grew up with this. I don't know what it was like in public school, okay? So I'm a spoiled brat, went to private school, and we had a school supply store, a yeah. school store. Right. Where we could go buy pencils, pens, and everything. So that was kind of like my idea of the closet was to make have like everything. drawers and yeah. everything and have everything in there for the kids because I didn't want to be running back and forth to the the store trying to buy all this stuff. So I tried to think in my head what was coming up. I had poster board. You I had, had, you had pencils, highlighters. I had highlighters. Yeah. I had scissors. I had protractors. I had glue, compasses. glue, everything. I mean, anything you can think of that would prep them for school. Remember, I had to think of eight different grades. Well, and you know. the thing was, is that you, you were smart when Amazon was in its, you know, is going strong. Um, in the beginning, you would wait for those prime days, like just happened. Yeah, buy in bulk, and you would buy things as you could. Like, okay, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get four or six things of glue. Yeah, I'm gonna get, you know, pencil sharpeners. I mean, you you were so smart to get those things, um, and you knew it was okay to buy which ones were to buy. I, I one of the lessons I learned from you about buying cheap because we don't normally buy super cheap. You bought the cheapest, like Elmer's glue you could, and I go, okay, I'm I'm cool with this, but why did you buy this cheap, cheap, cheap glue at twenty cents a bottle? And you said, because it's not going to last. The kids are going to leave the cap open. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're going to go like three weeks of using this, and it's going to be hard as a rock. I went, oh. I think the one thing, one school supply that sticks out in my head that was like, oh my gosh, was at one time we had four kids in high school. Think yeah. of this. Ready? Four kids. We had a senior, a junior, a sophomore, a freshman. Right. In, in one school year. And, so, in, and in one school. And in one school. And now <laughs> think about you're in high school. You, one person, one kid has how many teachers? Six, seven? Yeah. Each teacher then wants one spiral notebook. Oh my God. Yeah, so that's, that's 13. Right. No, wait, I'm sorry. Six so you, teachers. That's six one, spiral notebooks per child. Times four kids. Times four. That was 24 spiral notebooks. And you know what? Sometimes they wanted a three-inch <laughs> one. They wanted a two-inch well, one. Well, those were the binders. Yeah. yeah that's. But, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about oh, the spiral, spir oh, the yeah, spiral yeah, yeah, notebook. Yeah, the little curly ring So on I the ended up buying those in like boxfuls because... Right. You know, if you get a 90 sheet one, they blew through it like in three months or whatever. That was for note taking. Then you're talking about the three That's ring right. binders. Yeah. Then you get into high school and each teacher wants something different. I never understood this. One would want a one inch, one would want a two inch, one would want a three inch. Oh, I'm like, very what? specific too. And yes. then all those stupid little colored dividers. Yes. And then everything had to be divided. So imagine high school blown up with four kids and, you know, 28 teachers and you have to please every single one of them then PE clothes on top of it oh, it was yeah. it was just amazing high and school all of the high school students all of our kids wanted the, the the sweaters with the emblems on them and stuff and I'm like can't I just go to Walmart and get you a white or a burgundy one or something <laughs> like no then I'll be laughed at in class in, in gym class dad I need to have the one with the logo on it and it's like well it's like sixty dollars and each kid wanted two. They wanted one of each yeah. color. And there was four or five kids in high school. Yeah. I, could, I, I couldn't do it. So let's just say they all had six teachers. So that was 24 teachers. Now think back. How do I do back to school night? 
They have high school back to school night. Oh, there's no way. I had to email <laughs> 24 teachers and say, I'm going to pick and choose. Yeah, well, some who of I'm going to te- come see. Some of them overlap. Right. Too. Some of the teachers overlap. There's still too many. There's no possible way for you to physically no. do it. No. There was one year we had one in elementary school. Oh, I had four. Two or three in junior high and then oh. two or three in high school. And for some stupid reason, the back to school nights or meet the teacher nights or whatever it was, a couple of them landed on the same day. You're like, I can't be in two different schools. Yes, yes. There was one time we had we had four different schools going in elementary and junior high. So I was, I mean, I was like a bus at the end of school. Well, I think you did great <laughs> handling it. I The thing that I found interesting um, was there was time, and I didn't mean to do this to you, but there was times I came to you and you had said, hey, I need money to do some school shopping. And I came to you with like $150 and I said, that's all I have right now. Oh, well, that's all you had. And you had to decide which kids got new stuff and which didn't and spread it out. And you never complained. You never complained. You made it work until the next time. And I would literally take on jobs of someone. I remember many times someone pulling in my shop at five minutes to five. And I'm trying to unwind and get ready to go home. And someone says, oh, I need my air conditioner. I need an alternator. And I'm thinking, man, if I do this job, I can get a little more money for school, you know, or your grocery budget or something. Yeah. And I would stay late a couple hours and the guy would pay me and I would do a couple extra jobs or one extra job. Just that was for me, that felt like bonus money. Yeah. But you have to explain to them that we didn't live. There's no such thing in our house was paycheck to paycheck. It was job to job. It was job to job. Yeah. So it wasn't like I knew like in two weeks there was going to be a paycheck. That or, was our, that was one of our biggest fights was that you so said, hard. you said, I can't budget this household because you can't tell me when you're making money or how much I had no idea. And I said, well, why don't you just go to all my customers and line them up and tell (laughs) them they have to come in in a certain order. I have no idea. There was, there was times when we had uh, quite a bit of money all at once in one week. And then there was times when I went two weeks where we were barely making it. Yeah. And then there's seasons on top of that. Oh yeah. And then when you need money for school, People stop bringing their cars in because they need money for <laughs> yeah. school supplies, so they don't want to fix their cars. Well, I wanted people to know that. So we didn't live even paycheck to no. paycheck. It was job to job. And then it depended on when he finished it. You yeah. know, it has everything to do with when the parts were arriving, what kind of job it was. Oh, it and was... And then I had to... Back in the day... I don't know how we did it. Back in the day, I had to worry about a check bouncing. Oh, yeah, that's not right. Not super often, but, but it, it did, did happen. happen. Yeah. yeah, that was... I don't know how we ever did it with eight kids. I just don't, but... We survived. I don't know, but somehow we were young and stupid, had a bunch of kids, decided to open up a business and Ugh. just and, and push ourselves. And we did, you know, the truth is, I pro- overall, I probably made about as much money as I would have if I'd have been a dealership mechanic like I was before uh-huh. and stayed there. The only difference is that I can see now looking back is that when I finally got done with the shop, I did end up with a lot of equipment that was worth, you know, something to me. Right. And it did allow me the freedom to leave. We could shut down for a day or two or a three days, or you could go do something and I could drive out and catch up with you where I couldn't have done that working for somebody else. Yes, it gave you a little more freedom to do some things. Even when I was sick, you were able to fluctuate your hours. When you were sick with cancer, I I don't think I could, I think I would have lost the job if I'd have been working for somebody else. Yes, I think so too. It gave you the freedom to come and go and check on me. Checking on you in the hospital twice a day was... Even though you hated it that I pushed you to open, 
your own business. Oh, it turned I hated out that. to be when we we, a we first moved here. I said, I'm I'm going to go to work for someone. I'm never owning another business. You I'm can't not doing work it. for somebody. I I you're not built that way. I probably could. Oh, for maybe a month. You know where I'd work right now. Oh, please tell me. No, I, you know where I'd work right now if the job came. Now they have a person doing this job that's great, better than me, way better than me. What would you do? But if this person decided to move to New York. And I got a phone call from Two Bear to work at as the service manager down at his car dealership in Fontana. <laughs> I would go. That's how great that place is. Yeah, you keep I, raving about that place. It's in, it's incredible. It's an incredible piece of property. It, the way that's set up. And remember, I've been in the automotive industry for years. I look yeah. at that and go, "Oh my god, this is incredible." Somebody planned it out very. Oh, very they did well. great. And I, I, I think would go you'd there. enjoy being a service manager because I think you enjoy the people interaction and talking to people, and you've got this huge massive amount of information regarding cars and systems and stuff like that. I think there's, yeah, and there's a lot of people that do. I think I think every service manager should always have been a mechanic. I really? hate service managers, and I've worked for some, and they're still out there, who are book educated and they're business educated, but they have never, they've never twisted a wrench before, and they're now the service manager. And you don't have to know more than the guys working for you, but you certainly don't want to be so dumb that they that mechanic has to explain everything to you before you can go talk to the customer. That's yeah, that doesn't but sound that, right. You, it, I think the general public knows when they're talking to an idiot, and they don't even have to know cars. But when you're getting when you're a regular customer and a service writer or a service manager is explaining something to you, you know if they're full of shit. Well, let me ask you a question: Would would going from a mechanic to a, a service rider be a upgrade or a downgrade? Um, like in the world of dealerships, like what is that? You don't. Well, they kind of go hand in hand, in 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 in, in not just dealerships but even shops. You know, you want to be a good, solid, hot shot mechanic. You want to be great at electrical or great at heavy line. And you want a service writer that is your best buddy feeding you the good jobs. So do you want to? So you really want to specialize in something? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, when, all right. And in in uh, in American cars, American dealerships for years and years, you were a transmission guy, or you were a brake and front end guy. You were a an engine guy. That's all you did. That's how American dealerships were set up. Okay. As import dealerships came in with Toyota, Nissan, and Honda in the in the seventies and eighties. They were bumper-to-bumper -bumper technicians. Every technician had to know everything. So when I went to work for Mazda, um, in my, one of my first, my first, my, it was my first car dealership, they put me through training. You had to know everything front to back. You, there was no line specialty. Really? You, oh, you had to do it. And you, so and, they gave you everything. Yeah, they taught you everything. You had to be everything and do everything. That's, that was a, that, that's always why uh, dealerships had a, lot, a hard time crossing over mechanics. Mm. Uh, um, um, a shop mechanic from domestic, you know, American couldn't go to a uh, Toyota because they said, okay, do everything. And he's like, well, dude, all I do is front end and brake. Interesting. So, but well, answer my question. You did, you didn't really answer. Is it a lateral? Is it a, you know, going from it's a just, mechanic? It's a to different, it's a different move. And in, in car dealerships, you, everyone hates the sales department. Okay. Sales yeah. department sucks ass. <laughs> They're a bunch of liars. They promise stuff that the mechanics have to deliver. We, we tolerate, but, and we love the parts guys because we need them, the parts department. Yeah. But service riders and mechanics are on the same page. We're all there to get the job done the best we can and make the customer happy so they come back and, and choose us. They, they'll choose a mechanic. They'll pull into a car dealership and go, I want Jerry working on my car. And uh -huh. you have to write Jerry's name down on that ticket. 
Oh, so, do they still do that till this day? I haven't been in the dealership for a while. I don't know. Oh. Interesting. So now we've wasted a bunch of time talking about cars that nobody can. No, I think it's interesting. <laughs> I didn't I didn't realize that that you specialize it. But how would you know to specialize in something? You just start working as a mechanic and you decide. Didn't. Um the you can make uh you make more money at an independent shop, but most independent shop guys came from dealerships. Hmm. Once okay. you got a lot of dealership cutting edge tech cutting edge technology training on cars. Um, whatever year you're working there, let's just say you're working there in 2020 and, and you've been working at a dealership for four years. You're working on the latest technology as it comes out brand new. So you quit there. You go to an independent garage. Those independent garages aren't seeing those cars yet. Those cars are still oh. under warranty. Those cars you're not going to see in 2023. You're not going to see a 2022 car unless it's in for an oil change. Okay. You know, you're, those cars are still under warranty. So when you leave a car dealership, um, you can come there and go, I know all the new shit you're about to see in the next two years. They want to hire you because th there's no way they can get that training. Oh, gotcha. So you got a good chance at getting in when you know when you know the latest stuff. Oh, cool. All right. So it's well, thank you. So <laughs> I wasn't going to... I know we just went down a rabbit hole. I'm so sorry, but I, I thought I think it's interesting. I still think till this day that you being a mechanic, you know, I have to tell one more mechanic story. When I worked down at the shop for that year and a half, I think the thing that blew my mind is you, <laughs> you printed out an electronic schematic thing and you had it on the counter. Oh, the one where I had to cut and paste it all together. Yes, There's like six this pages. This huge <laughs> schematic thing, and I'm looking at it going. I have no idea what this thing is. It's a ginormous map of lines. Yeah. And you said, you got to give me some time. Like you, you, you have to answer the phones. I don't want to be disturbed. Well, it was, yeah. So you went into the shop, you disappeared and I was warding off, you know, phone calls and everything. And you are just amazing at electricity and wiring and figuring that stuff out. Well, you used to blow, you. You used yeah. to blow my mind with that stuff. That you was, loved it. I, you, did. I think you, I think you just, when I went okay. to, I was 21 years old and I, I got some basic training on how early computer systems were working in cars, um, late 80s, early 90s. And, and believe me, cars were at their infancy with computers. And to this day, people, they won't even work on those cars because they're so shitty. They're so generic. You can't, you can't ask the computer for help. You know, you get a 1990 Honda and some guy says, well, it's running rough. Most mechanics won't touch it. Because they have no way to plug a scanner in and get more than a vague signal. You know? <laughs> so you re it's called um, um, uh, diagnosing drivability with no codes. You have to just know what you're doing. I got introduced to that and I got taught that by a guy at a dealership who's really, really smart. Mm. And I became the hotshot. I became at 21, 22 years old. For some reason, electrical and early computer drivability, I was really good at it. There was a lot of stuff I wasn't good at. Automatic transmission, internal automatic transmissions, I'm not. I'm still to this day not very strong at it. The guys are way better. Diesel engines, not very strong at it. But man, back in the day, that type of stuff I could figure out. If you could print me out a schematic, let me just read it. I don't care if it was six pages long. I don't care if it was a map as big as a chalkboard. Leave me alone for a minute. And I'll, I, I was pretty good at figuring that stuff out. Yeah, there. that was amazing. I want you to put on record, I know this isn't, I'm putting you on the spot right now, but I wanted to go on the podcast because I love the story so 
much. What? I think this led to your learning the schematics of the electrical. Is the road trip you took with your grandparents? <laughs> tell that. Well, please tell that when story. I was, when I was a kid, this is this is kind of a stupid story. No, so it's not. I'm laughing already because it's so funny. I started I started picking up automotive and electrical and plumbing when I was 12 years old from my grandfather. He had a stroke and he could function. But he had no right arm and right leg. It was all numb, so he right. couldn't use tools. And so I lived with him for a lot of years, and he said, hey, the faucet's leaking. Let's take it apart. And I'm like, take apart a faucet? <laughs> I learned how to, t back in the day, you could take apart the entire faucet, all the pieces, buy replacement parts, and fix it. And I'm like, wow, what else can we do? Everything that came up, automotive, brakes, anything, tune-ups, anything he could teach me around the house, um, he would. Yeah. But one other thing I have to tell you is, I guess when you were really little, your mom told me that you tore apart our, our table I don't or remember. something. She, she, she said, said that to me She because she warned me about Gen Z kids. She's like, yeah, you better watch it. He's going to start tearing things. I don't remember through. doing that. All she right, said well, I took apart a, a clock when I was five and a television when I was eight. I don't remember doing so, that. So, okay, go fast so, forward. So I, we take this trip across the United States. At, at that time, uh, early in my life, I went across the United States uh, three times. One time was with my grandparents. They just said, hey, get in the camper. You drive. Let's go. My grandpa just wanted to show me everything in the United States. We were gone almost three months. And as we were going along, this old camper, we had a, it was a 1970 Dodge Trevette <laughs> with a big truck front end. But it was a nice camper. And um, there was all little, little problems that you'd have while you're driving. And we were traveling with another older couple they were best friends with and their motorhome would have little things go wrong. Our motorhome would have little things go wrong. We got to Marshalltown. And you weren't a mechanic at this moment. I no, okay. I was pretending to be one. Okay. I had a little, I had a little craftsman toolbox. I carried there around with one hand. <laughs> okay. But, um, we get to just outside of Marshalltown, Iowa and, uh, and there was, what was it? Oh, the windshield wipers weren't working. Okay. And we, you know, we had been needing them, even though it was summertime, there were some summer storms and the windshield wipers wouldn't come on. So my grandparents and their friends said, Hey, we're going into town. We're going to be gone all day. And I said, okay. So all of a sudden I decided I was going to fix the windshield wipers. <laughs> See, I'm already laughing. And I'm 17 years old. Okay. I'm 16 or 17. And I start by trying to figure out, I don't know how any of these systems work. I have no one to ask. No one's in this. We're in a campground. And I'm, you know, I'm by myself and I start taking apart the dash <laughs> to get to the windshield wipers oh, God! because when they would come on, I could hear the motor running behind the dash. So to get the dash out, I had to pull the steering wheel and the steering column out, oh, God. pulled out the radio, the CB, the dashboard with all the gauges, um, the glove box and just started unbolting and unscrewing How everything. How long did it take you to do that? I think I took about four hours to oh get it out. Oh my gosh. Four or five hours. So I get it out and it's laying. I, I set it out on the picnic table at the campground. Now, when you sit down in the front seat of our motorhome, all you see is the firewall. Oh, Everything's God. gone. There's wires hanging. Um, the heater core, the air conditioning <laughs> boxes are in there, but everything's out. And, I was, and this didn't make you nervous? No. I figured I could put it back together. Oh my God. So... I I'm think sit, I'd cry. I'm sitting there and I'm my grandparents come back. Now it's been they've been gone seven hours or so. I haven't begun to put anything back together. I figured I'd just do it the next day. But I was really mad and my grandpa comes back. My grandmother came back and started screaming. <laughs> she was screaming. She goes, What have you done? 
And my grandpa comes back and he just looks and he's looking at me. He's kind of shaking his head. And he's got his cane in his hand. He goes, uh, what were you doing? And I said, well, you know how the windshield wipers didn't work? I was going to try to figure out why. I thought maybe the motor was bad or they would come on intermittently. Maybe it was a bad connection. And he goes, so what'd you do? I said, I tore apart the dash, the steering wheel, took everything out. And he goes, you know, the motor for those is on the outside under the hood. I said, yeah, I figured that out right about now. I kept digging for it. Then I realized, oh, it's on the other side. And you were supposed to go into the engine area and and lift open the hood and work your way that way towards the windshield, towards the glass. You didn't think about doing it that way. No, it never never occurred to me. I was 17. I never done it before. Right, right, right. Okay. So grandma's out there with her, her best friend, Vivian was her name, and they're crying. She goes, we're stuck here. We're never leaving <laughs> Iowa. We're going to have to sell it for junk and buy a car or rent a car and go home. I mean, she was upset. And, and I'm like, why are you? I told grandma, she calmed down. I said, why are you so upset? She goes, well, she goes, I don't want to seem ungrateful that you tried because she was always so proud of me no matter what. <laughs> she goes, but I think you ruined our vacation. I said, why? Were, were we planning on leaving in the morning? She goes, no, we're going to be here for a couple more days. I said, all right, well, tomorrow I'm going to put it back together. And she goes, you can't possibly. Because it was just thousands of screws and pieces. <laughs> That's what I could see. And Your grandpa was so cool-headed, though. He was though. so cool-headed. He goes, hey, I remember him sitting in a chair. He had a Coors beer in one hand. He used to put salt in his beer, too. And he'd put, he'd so put a little dad. dab of salt. And he tapped his cane on the ground. He goes, why don't we let him put it back together and see what happens? See, that's what I'm saying. He's letting you problem solve. I used I love that, man. So he, so they left again. They had another thing they were going to go do during the day. And I just thought, oh, all right. And I started putting things back together. And it's, it wasn't, you know, I just put things back together the way they came apart. Mm-hmm. And when I was all done, uh, they came back that night and... Grandma says, well, does the engine run? And I said, go try it. I gave her the keys, and my grandma goes in and sits down in the seat, starts it up, and it runs fine, and um, everything's go. And the windshield wipers worked, because when I got all the way done, I went to where they really were, <laughs> and it took like an hour, and it was just a bad connection. I fixed it. And um, Grandpa says, well, does everything work? And I turned on the radio. I turned on the CB. I opened the glove box. The light came on. Um, I did all the stuff. I said, oh, and remember our uh, our temperature gauge that was kind of acting funny? He goes, yeah. I said, I found the connection on that and I fixed that too. <laughs> so the only I, I fixed it. I put everything back together. Boy, did my grandmother's t- tune change. <laughs> Everywhere she went for the next 30 years, she tells the story so differently. Well, my grandson at 16 years old, you know, we were out in the middle of nowhere and he was just rubbing two sticks together with his bare hands. He unscrewed. I mean, she elaborated completely yes, on that. Yes, of course she did. But um, she was so proud But in of the moment. <laughs> oh, in the moment she wanted to kill me. She thought she was living in Iowa. She thought they were done. She goes, we're going to have to sell the motorhome and rent a car or buy something and drive home. Because she looked at this and goes, this will never run again. That's what I would have said. Ever, ever, ever run again. And your grandpa, when he was alive, told that story too. He was so proud of you. But he was so level-headed and didn't lose his temper and was just like, well, I think he saw something in you. I think he saw that you had the ability. You just had to... Be taught. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes I think we need to do that to kids. Like, you know, they tear something apart. You just got to sit back and go, well, I don't problem solve. I'm more like my grandmother <laughs> when when it comes to our kids doing stuff. I'm more like my grandmother. I run around going, what have you done? <laughs> I don't think, I think, you know, you just stay there with guidance, but I think, you know what, not, we have to realize that 
our way is not always the right way. There may be some other way to do it. And their brain, our kids' brains are going a different route. And I think we, I think that's part of the problem that we do. We, as parents is we go, well, we've done it this way and this is how it works. But in our kids' brains, they might be twisting and turning it to do something else, you know, or a different direction. You want to know another story from that same trip with that same motorhome? We had, um, it made a noise every time I'd put it in drive and we start to go forward from a stop sign. Not every time, most times you'd hear a brrrr and it was like this weird noise from under the hood. Was this before or after this one? Um, it was it, during, I, it was making the noise before we got to Marshalltown, Iowa. Okay. And then this is like a dealership right near where we were. We took it. Grandpa goes, I can't figure out what that is. And I said, neither can I. Cause remember I'm young. I don't know what everything right. is. Understood. Now I would know exactly what that noise is. But back then I didn't. And grandpa says, let's just take it to the Dodge dealership and let's let them look at it. So he just said, Hey, it's making a noise when you accelerate from drive. So he left it there. They wouldn't give it back to us all day. So we go back at the end of the day. And uh, my, I remember my grandfather kind of arguing with the service guy. And I'm like, okay. So I walk over. I'm you know 16. I'm like, what's going on? And they charged him like $200. They had two. My grandpa says, you charged me $200 to tell me there's a broken motor mount, which how come you didn't see that like in the first five seconds? And excuse me. And... You've put two miles on my odometer. You drove it two miles. That's it. And he goes, I remember my grandpa's exact words. Did you just drive it and park it under a tree and take a nap, charge me two hours and come back and go, oh, your motor mount's broken? Oh. And, and what happened was the motor mount would break. If a motor mount broke, your engine, as you revved it, would lift. Uh-huh. You know how you can always see an engine torquing, rum, rum, yeah. and the engine torques? Well, if a motor mount's broken, it lifts a little higher than normal. The fan the spinning fan would touch the shroud and go and then drop back down. So the fan would raise up, just make a little noise. And my grandpa was mad. They were charging him so much money. He didn't mind paying. Yeah, that was a lot of money back then. It was. And uh, he then the service manager came out, wouldn't deal with my grandpa at all. And my grandpa was getting very upset. My grandpa never, as you said, he's very yes. level-headed, never got upset. And so they had brought the motorhome around and the keys were in it. So I took the motorhome. And this was this was an old. You remember? You know what Main Street USA looks like? Yes. Okay. So the you know there's very narrow sidewalks. Every store is connected to every store. Just a mile of Main Street America, and two lanes, parked cars, a lot of glass windows where you could see in in stores and stuff. This was an old old dealership. That part of the dealership was right up on the street. Big glass windows where you know you could see the showroom. The showroom only held three cars. Uh-huh. Um, and I got mad, and I really was upset that, that they were upsetting my grandfather. And I took the motorhome around, and I, I turned the motorhome sideways, blocking all of Main Street. <laughs> I pointed it right at the glass doors, <gasps> or right at the glass uh, windows. I ran it up on the curb, and I was revving the engine in drive like I was going to drive right through the glass. And everybody came running out. What are you doing? I said, uh... You're taking advantage of my old grandfather, and I'm going to drive this motorhome right through the glass and smash your your cars on display. And they're like, what are you talking about? They called the sheriff. Um, the people came out. The service department came out. Oh, God, I need out. to see your grandma now. My grandpa just sat there staring at them like, well, you shouldn't have made me mad. <laughs> my grandmother, 
backed me up. Oh, <gasps> she did. She didn't like me doing that. Yeah. But she said, well, you are taking advantage of his grandfather and he's old. My grandfather's a war veteran of World War II. He had a stroke. He was a very nice man. He didn't mind paying, but you took advantage of him. And I was losing my mind. And that was 16 or 17. I couldn't fight everyone in the dealership. But they couldn't stop me from driving through the front glass. Oh, my God. And all I said was, I just want a fair shake. Well, you know, they put the handcuffs on me. They did not arrest me. No harm was done. I didn't hit anything. Uh-huh. And uh, they ended up discounting the ticket for my grandpa to a fair amount, which was like an hour's labor or something. And um, then I backed the thing off there. there they, they backed it off there and everybody, we got a little talking to for a few hours and then it was done. Nobody pressed charges. Nobody wanted to press charges against me because really it was against my grandfather. Nobody wanted to be in the front page of a newspaper as the dealership that was taking advantage of an old World War II veteran. Exactly. So it was, it was bad judgment on my part. But again... It was a story that my grandma told once in a while <laughs> over the years going, well, you just don't upset, you don't upset him. When it comes to his grandfather, you just don't upset oh. him or he will do something about it. So that added to the reputation of that I would, that, that I would lose my temper and do radically <laughs> stupid things. That was one of them. I love those same stories. Same trip, same motorhome, same deal. That's yeah. awesome. I'm sure there's many more on that trip. Well, there was one where the guy's motorhome that we were traveling with, he couldn't get up a hill in Tennessee where there's a campground up this long, windy road. And for some reason, his carburetor wasn't working. But if we poured a little bit of gasoline in the carburetor, the engine would run for a few seconds and then shut off. So I thought it would be a great idea for me to stand over the open engine because this was one where the engine was inside where you sit like a van. Oh, okay. So the engine yeah. is between the two seats. Uh-huh. So we took off the engine cover. The old man, who was my grandpa's friend, got in the driver's seat and took off up this mountain road. I stood <laughs> over the engine with a Folgers coffee can bent at the top. So it uh-huh. had a little, it was bent with a little crevice. And I was pouring gas over this engine. Uh, while it's running? While it's running, driving up the hill. Amazingly enough, I fed it just enough gas to keep it going until we got to the top. And then it backfired. Boom. Flame <gasps> came right up. And it knocked me backward to the back of the motorhome. And uh, the old man threw it in park and put out the fire on the engine. Oh, Lord. He knew when he turned around, because I had a can of gas in my hand, he knew when he turned around, other parts of the motorhome were going to be on fire. He knew it. Because I flew backwards and I flung this can, which yeah, whatever gas was in it, yeah. was ar- it was already burning in my hand oh. when it came up. You know, and, and, a, and a Folgers can of gas doesn't explode. It just burns. Like you can take a, a can of gasoline and light it on fire and it, just, it doesn't explode it, but it burns until all the gas is gone. Uh-huh. But he put it out with, he, I think he had, a, he had a coat or something right there. And he turns to me and I'm starting to stand up from the back of this really long motorhome. And he goes... Are you okay? I said, he goes, anything on fire? And I held up the can and go, no, it was empty. (laughs) I had just poured the last of it in. Wow. And so it just burned out the vapor from inside. But if I'd had half a can, I'd I'd have slung that everywhere just from falling. He goes, well, we got up the hill. And I said, well, then we're good then. But I mean, my eyebrows were burned (laughs) off. The front of my hair was burned (laughs) off. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Same trip. So I was on the same trip. Yeah. That's crazy. Stuff, yeah. Well. I know. See, isn't this great that I went down that rabbit hole right no, now? No, no. Because I, you haven't documented. I've heard some of these stories and I'm like, you've got to tell these okay, stories. Okay, but you got to realize that we're 38 minutes into this podcast 
And th- maybe one third of the people that listen to us are going to give a shit about They'll this conversation. love the story. I don't no. even know mechanics this and I love those stories. This will be one of the lowest rated podcasts oh, we've ever I had. So. I'm going to have to apologize now. <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to try really hard next <laughs> podcast to no, do well. No, because us ladies can relate to grandma. I mean... I would just be losing my shit with you. I, you would have tested my. Nerves. It seems that my grandmother. I was out of all. I think. I think even their kids. Okay, my mother and my uncle. I was still their favorite, and I was definitely the favorite of all the grandkids. They. <laughs> I was the black sheep of the family, but my grandmother and grand. I was absolutely their favorite, and they would. If you asked them, "Well, is he your favorite?" They would just stare at you because they weren't allowed to answer. <laughs> but I was, and I knew I was. Um, so from our last podcast, remember we were talking about two things that we didn't have a good grasp on, which was magic sand Oh yeah, and skate keys. Well, I learned about skate keys, but I don't know about the magic sand. Okay. Well tell me about the skate keys. Cause remember I wasn't it, like you, like you mentioned last podcast, a skate key was a little bit before our time. Yes. But it was like to loose, to lengthen them or shorten them. I think those had to do with the metal skates, right? It did. See, we that was kind of like right before us, but I skate key turned it so you could put your foot in. Right, I knew stuff. what they were. I had seen them. Yeah. I had probably so even tried I. them on, but I don't remember enough about it. But yeah, people wrote us emails after that podcast and said, "Hey, uh, the skate skate key was to adjust length and width, and it was just I guess it was just a screw underneath mm-hmm. it would turn." So we were we guessed right on that. Magic sand. Remember, we asked the question. After you poured the magic sand in the water, like in your aquarium or whatever right. you were doing to build it, what it, did you do then? Did it did you did it turn hard? Was it could you do it, you reuse right. it? And we didn't know. Right. Everybody wrote in goes, it was soft. Half the fun was scooping it back out again. And I went, All right, I didn't I don't know. remember ever doing that. You know, going put my hand back in. I think I was such an arrogant little shitty eight year old. I think I feel I used the magic sand and when it was done I went, Cool, mom, and I ran outside and probably. <laughs> I probably did I'm the like, same okay, thing. Okay, whatever. That was fun. I'm leaving Interesting. So I it just ha- crumbled. Yeah. Huh. So you could be Thanos at that moment. Poof. You and know it what, just disappears. You know what we forgot? Oh, we forgot something. The intro. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) We're 40 minutes in. Can we do the intro now? Can we get on with the podcast? No, don't do the intro now. But I haven't said Loud Trouble LLC. I haven't talked about Loud One. You can add that later. Ian's just sitting there going, hey, mother. (laughs) (laughs) I paid for that podcast, asshole. Do that later. (laughs) Do it later. All right. Well, uh, Loud uh, Ian, you heard her that I'm not allowed to talk about it right now. So we'll move on. Um, so there was a few notes on there. You did You have notes. I, I wrote, well, I had some things that people had written to us. Oh, okay. And then I had I'm some notes you're too. You're cheating and having notes. No, we didn't no. just sit down at the table and start talking. Okay. I won't, I won't look at my notes. Here's one that's not on my notes. What's that? Kid went to the beach. Yeah, I know he did. And we haven't talked about that. Have we? No, but we weren't there, but we know what kind of happened. He came back with his back blistered. Oh yeah. Sun baked blistered. You know what I told him? I don't think you heard this conversation. I go, um, excuse me, son, your mom, I know you don't realize this is a Southern California beach girl. Yeah. Like I grew up like going to the beach. I know secrets about going to the beach (laughs) that not many people know of. You think you would have like picked my brain before you went to the beach. Yeah. You know what he did? He just went into my shed and took three shovels. Oh, and I don't want to say, I don't remember ever taking a shovel to the beach. I probably had one, but I wasn't like my life goal at 17, like, 
let's grab shovels and go to the beach. Mine was... That would make me a little leery. Like, <laughs> are you taking a dead body too? Like, you know... But he did. He took shovels and... Uh, because he, none of his friends had shovels, I found out. What? Why was that a conversation for 17-year-olds that they... Hey, did you bring your shovel? I don't have a shovel. Do you have a shovel? Do you have an extra shovel? Because I don't have a shovel. Why I, is that a thing? But I think Gen Z kid was like, your dad does not have a shovel? Like, yeah, whose they, dad doesn't have a shovel? Yeah, he did say that to the... He's like, you guys don't... They were all going to bring shovels. Then three of them showed up and said, our dad doesn't own a shovel. What the hell? <laughs> so he comes back blistered. Oh, he it comes was back. So bad. He comes back saying that the the lifeguards they dug a big hole. Like he called them the fire department. Now I called him out on that. He said the fire department showed up. I go, no, no, no. You're talking lifeguards, right? I was getting to that. Oh, okay. He dug a hole like three or four feet deep and about eight feet long. Okay. Yeah, they hit the water table. They did, and they stopped digging. And then the lifeguard came over and said, "You can't do that." The lifeguard called the fire department. The fire department showed up. And said, this is now some sort of a dangerous situation on the beach. And they were hurrying to fill it back in. Now, I don't remember digging a hole that anybody ever complained about. I mean, no. maybe it wasn't, I didn't bury a car out there, but we dug holes from time to time to build things to be silly, but it wasn't like our main objective. And secondly, who who is over the life lifeguards? The fire department. They are? Yes. Okay, so they're a branch of the fire department. Yes. Okay, that makes sense on why they called them. All right. I was going to school to be a lifeguard. Beach lifeguard. Oh, yeah? Cal State Northridge had a lifeguard certification class. You were certainly hot enough. You could have been on Baywatch. And I was going through the process to do that. So, yes, it was through the fire department. I did not know that. I didn't know you were going to be a lifeguard. I did. I was, you had to take like a PE course and that was part of them. And I was always at the beach and I thought, I could totally do this. I mean, I love the water and I could swim out in the waves and know about riptides and da, da, da. And I was like, I'm going to do this. I did not know that. Yeah. And I went through, I got halfway through and then I, they made us put on full clothes like jacket shirts everything weighted us down and we had to swim like i think it was a was this hole. in a in the ocean or a pool no in a pool yeah. in their pool it was a olympic size pool and you had to swim all the way to one end and back fully clothed you know like and and, and? i couldn't do it I failed out. Oh, you mean you you tried? I tried and oh, I failed wow. out. I couldn't do it. And I got frustrated. I mean, they were going to give me another couple tries, but I was like, oh my God, this is no way. I wasn't. Now I understand why there's very few women yeah. and more men. Because think about, I understand buoyancy in the water right. and you're lighter, but right. when you're fully, you have a fully clothed person or whatever, you're, you're pulling another person. That's a lot of weight. It is. It's and you're ton. fighting currents. Like, yeah. It's tough to do it even when you're fighting the current on your own, let alone saving someone. Yeah, and I'm right. thinking if I can't do it in a pool. <laughs> yeah, um, I got it. This is not for so me. So the kid went. He got burned really bad. And yes. He got yelled at by the fire department for digging a hole for some reason. And then he came home, and I go, that's your that's your story. He goes, yeah, I went out to Pismo Beach, dug a hole, got yelled at, got my shoulders burned really bad in my back, and I came home. I said, well, mission accomplished, I guess. If that's a... Uh, I would bring radios, you know, I'd bring food. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm looking like, for, I got bring dark glasses looking for girls and yeah. I don't know, just wasn't He's on my still list. finding sand everywhere too. He tells me and I go, see, that's the other thing. You didn't talk to a California girl because yeah. every California girl has baby powder in their car for that reason. And he went, baby powder? I said, yeah, when you get out, you put it all over your legs and everything. And I go, it just like drops the sand off. Yeah. And he went, 
what? I said, yeah, see, you just you didn't don't, ask. you didn't ask. Yeah. But the funny thing is, is so that night with his sunburn, I put aloe vera on it and his whole back was red as a lobster. I'm right. like, shit, this he is going to blister. He, he was in pain. Yeah. But the next day, <laughs> the next day he showed me again, his stupid friend, I think this was a prank, took a spray can of sunscreen. Well, now hold on. He asked him, Hey, can you put some sunscreen <laughs> on my back? And he told the guy, don't rub it in. It's not comfortable with a guy rubbing my back. So he just goes spray it. Yeah, well, he sprayed it, and it looks like he graffitied his back with, like, his signature. It does look like his name, doesn't it? It looks like the kid's yeah, name. Yeah, because the next day, the sunscreen lightened up. <laughs> was white. And now he looks like he's got a white tattoo on his back with this whole with squiggly thing. With this person's thing. name. It looks like he wrote his name <laughs> in cursive. <laughs> I said, I think you were pranked pretty bad on this one, so it's pretty funny looking, but... It's getting better. Uh, did you watch the Home Run Derby? I did. I was. We were in separate rooms because I wasn't feeling well that day. Did you Did you see the guy sing the national anthem? I missed that. Um, big, huge, young black kid. Sounded great. He was from um, one of the like uh, American Idol or something. He was a talent on TV. And uh, he did a great job. He looked very nervous. Oh, I would be scared. in a, in a spot like that. And, <laughs> and he's, you know, he's done some big venues if you've been on TV. And I didn't even notice it. It just came out the other day, and people are like beating the shit out of him Why? online. He did this thing, and I could, I'm telling you, I watched it, and he was very nervous. He left his hat on. He forgot to take his hat off. Oh. And no one motioned to him, you know, take your hat off. And he just sang the song. And he's been apologizing, going, I'm sorry. I was very nervous. I, I didn't think about it. I would never. He didn't do it on purpose. He wasn't being disrespectful. Oh. But he forgot, and now there's grown-ups going well you're just a piece of shit and you're just an asshole he's like no i i'm i i legitimately forgot oh you didn't forget you're just those one people, of those, those you're, a, you're a colin kaepernick you're kneeling oh in front of the gosh. flag he, i'm so tired of that shit the kid i'm telling you i saw it now now that they're bringing that up i saw it he was just very nervous he forgot yeah I'm I, that's totally what i'm saying i go i would pass. like those people that are saying that to go stand in the middle of a stadium with yeah. all the feedback with all the people watching you singing one of the hardest songs yeah. ever to sing and you're ripping him because he didn't take his hat and off where's his people where was his handlers going dude the hat you know yeah. not, why didn't yeah. someone motion to him just point to their head he would have gone oh shit my hat's on no one said anything yeah. I bet you if we out. went back, I'm sure there's other people that have done that. They might have. I just, I'm I just feel I wanna, like they're nitpicking. On I want to be public about my opinion. I, I dug the kid. He tried very hard to do a good job. He 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 flubbed it a little bit with his voice, but, but he was it's nervous. Hard. But man, he did. I guarantee he did not leave that hat on on purpose. Oh, that poor kid. I feel for him. Yeah. We all make mistakes, people. Do you know what the date is today that we're recording? Come on. Yeah, seven thirteen, twenty three. Yeah. One, two, three, four. July 13th. Was, yeah. Today, in 1937, Krispy Kreme Donuts was invented. <laughs> Krispy Kreme Donuts, the first one. I was going to say, um, my dad was born in 1931 that today. doesn't matter. We're talking about Krispy Kreme They've Donuts. they been around that long? I guess so, in North Carolina, yeah. I didn't know that. I. God bless that man. <laughs> you mean we just got them on the West Coast like know, within just, the last 10 years? Took, Wait a second. Took, they've been around that long? It took eight decades to get over I here. bet you in our travels with our parents, we had Krispy Kreme donuts and didn't know. Didn't even know. Yeah. When we were... What the hell? I don't know. But you know, there's stuff that's gone too. We've gotten Krispy Kreme. We've gotten some things. 
but there's no more Pup and Taco. Do you remember Pup and Taco? Oh, yeah. I think I, I ate there think once. I don't think I've ever eaten there. I had friends that, but I don't think I ever had that. What else is gone? Um, Please hurt me. Burger Chef, which is in all the movies and all the sitcoms from the Midwest, but I don't think we ever had a Burger Chef. No. We might have. I don't recall. Um, do you do you remember in Fast Times at Ridgemont High when um, the one character was like, where do you work? I work at All-American Burger. And they had that scene at All-American Burger with the guy who wants his money back and mm-hmm. he won't give him his money back. Mall? No. No, it wasn't it, in the mall. They were, he goes, he, they're at All-American Burger. Yeah. It's like a, it's in, it's, it's, it's a big scene in there. Right. And he's like, you know, he gets fired because he calls the customer an asshole. And, uh, and all American burger was like in LA and it, and it, it swooped up into popularity and went away within like 20 years. It was gone from the Hmm. first one to like 20 of them. And then it was gone. I don't recall that. Um, okay. Here's one that, that I'm thinking about that, that was brought to my attention I don't know that I've ever eaten there, but everybody who I talked to in the, from the 60s said it was a staple all over America. Howard Johnson's. Oh, I've eaten at Howard Johnson's. And that was like a motel, yeah. a swimming pool, a, a, a cafe or diner. Yes. And they were, you would, you would plan your vacations. You could always stay at the Howard Johnson's and get food. I've, and I've stayed at a few of those. <laughs> I've never been to a Howard Johnson's. I have on a couple of occasions. Remember, I had older parents, yeah. so... You know, you think it's splurged a little bit on a, a few little amenities back in the day. Does anybody remember Pioneer Chicken? Oh my God, I <laughs> love Pioneer Chicken. Pioneer Chicken almost didn't make it. And then O.J. Simpson became their spokesman in like 1981. Oh and it was their thing, chicken in a basket. Remember oh, you get their chicken in the a basket? it was the best. Yeah. I picked them over KFC like for years. We had one down the street. Oh, I don't know how many people Pioneer remember Chicken. Pioneer Chicken, but that was a thing. Noggles is gone. Forever, like seriously gone there's well, not like they got, one they got bought out and you're gonna hate who bought them this was years ago this was in the 90s del not, taco oh and you hate del taco i don't like del taco <laughs> noggles was my late night yeah. like after you ran around the town gotta think, get now, something at one or two in the morning right but i don't think and that was the same way and you and i went to the same noggles you know there was that big yeah. one on roscoe boulevard yeah Right near stirring up trouble in the valley and you right. hit the noggles. Right. Yeah. Now I don't know if it was because we went there because noggles was such great food or because it was open super late and had booths and we could all sit down. Well, it was either that or in and out burger. There but weren't it, many places open that late. Right. But you didn't have a place to sit it in and out. Right. Most of them you could, you walked up to. Right. It had so to be noggles was yeah. open. It had big booths. It had some pretty decent, uh, fries and right. their nacho chips. And we would go there, but I don't know it was because of, can, that's like people say, go to where the truckers go. If you see a bunch of truck truckers at a diner on the side of the road, you know, that's a good place to eat. Then you talk to truckers and go, no, not really. It's just the only place big enough to park our trucks. <laughs> so they're going there, not because of the greatest food ever. It's because that's a place where they can all park their 18 wheelers. That's what I think Noggles was. If, if, if I had to guess. Anyway, so that's what I was just, I thought I'd throw those out there about that. You know, speaking of fast food. Um, you know how you're, you you and I have, uh, we agree on one thing for sure, that McDonald's Coca-Cola tastes better than any other Coca-Cola. For some reason, it just does. Oh, yeah. The syrup is amazing. Yeah. And you think, well, why is that the case? Because that shouldn't be. All Coke should be made by Coca-Cola the same. None of it should, none of it should matter. It's they all the same. They probably make different syrup for them, huh? They don't. But what I found out is they that's the same syrup, the same carbonation, they Add one thing into it as a, now I'm going to say it as a preservative. I can't. Yeah, it's probably really bad for you. I don't know. But okay. they won't tell anybody what it is, but there's one little tiny thing they do different. And 
every place that's fast food says they get their McDonald's Coca-Cola in like these bags, these big plastic bags, and it is part of their pumping system for, you know, for pouring drinks. Except for McDonald's is the only one that comes in a sealed steel container. Oh. Now, uh, you and I talked last week about how drinking things out of glass just tastes better than drinking them out of plastic. Right. Okay. Coca-Cola says, we're not telling you what's in it. It's virtually the same thing, except for one tiny little thing we do a little different for McDonald's. But we put it in these metal containers, and it tastes different in these metal containers. Of course it does. Now, I'm not sure if those metal containers are glass-lined inside, perhaps. Mm -hmm. But they're the only ones. It's kind of a contract thing. They won't make you. Other places go, well, give us the metal containers. We'll pay for them. They can't. So they do do something special. They do. For McDonald's. It is. It is different. It's. It's now they finally acknowledge that it is different. There's one tiny little thing. There is. There's something about it, man. That is the most quenching soda on and the it's, planet. It's dramatically different. It is than if you get a Coke at you know at Burger King or Jack. Yeah. It's just different. I don't know what it is, but that's but like they've yeah. well they finally that I was watching a program on that where they said we do two things. One is metal containers, and two it's this one thing like like a preservative or an additive. We do that just for for transport it isn't for flavor but it does affect the flavor and apparently in a good way mm, oh my god that's it my mouth is watering right now <laughs> i haven't had soda oh no, yeah no i haven't had a soda in so long I, well i'm I just telling you so there you Ooh. go now but there was the finally after all these years we've been talking about that since we were kids how mcdonald's oh coke yeah is that in their french fries their i french could fries. be totally fine with a snack of a coke from mcdonald's and a, and large, a large fry yeah, me too i'd be happy yeah. there's something about this salt ratio <laughs> in those things it's so good i agree oh my gosh so um, i do you have something else to talk about because well, i was gonna I so, wanna, i'm gonna circle back i want to i want to ask we're on topic of coca-cola have you ever heard of coca-cola black cherry vanilla yes I'd never even heard of that. Have they you? have a different, they have all kinds of. It's gone. There's, they don't make it anymore. I That, but they also have like cherry vanilla now. I know that. that That's obvious. But and yeah, cherry. black cherry is good. No, black cherry, cherry vanilla. vanilla. I've yeah. never, I didn't even know Coke did that. Not that I would have liked it, but it would have been nice to participate while it was out and it's gone. But that, see, that's going back to the old soda. I don't know. Uh, Bob's Big Boy is what makes me come to this thing is, remember you could order a Coke at Bob's Big Boy and yeah. go put in some vanilla syrup. That sure. was syrup. Like yes. that wasn't. So I think that's why they're playing with that or they have been for years is to see if they could. Well, cherry, uh, vanilla Coke's been around a long, long time, but even before they sold it in cans, you could buy it at a, at a, at a soda fountain. You could yeah. buy it at Woolworths or, you know, Thrifty right, Drug. They right. could do it there. But that was the only way that's like No, because they golden. had to make it there. Oh, yeah. it was so good. You could have whatever flavor you wanted in it. Also, Dr. Pepper Vanilla Float sold in a can. Oh, I don't know. Dr. Pepper I Vanilla. I've that. never heard of it. I've never heard and of people it. sent me pictures going, you never heard of this, man? I, we've, I'm like, uh, sorry, dude, I did not. Didn't yeah, but remember, we just went through that thing with Gen Z Kid when I was down south in L.A. taking care of mom. I would go to the Ralph's down there and yeah. the Mountain Dew. I found out that that Ralph's store was their flagship store for the new flavors of Mountain Dew. Oh, remember when I used to yeah. come home with new flavors? New flavors that nobody else had Nobody yet. else had. <laughs> and Gen Z Kid thought that was the coolest thing. So we were trying all the different Mountain Dew flavors. I wonder if that's like that. Like they probably do it in some other state. I'm sure they do. Well, they do that with they, they McDonald's has weird foods they try in really 
odd locations before they announce it to the world. Yeah, so maybe that's why we yeah. haven't heard of that one. Maybe they released it somewhere else. We're probably going to hear comments like, "Yeah, I tried that." <laughs> so the kid, you know, when he went to the when he went to the beach, I listened to his story, but I also said, "Dude, you probably should have made sure you had a spare tire," which he doesn't. Remember, he blew still? his spare. T- he still doesn't have one. Oh well. And I said, "You don't have a lesson learned." I know, but then I'm going to have to go rescue him. Um, no. <laughs> Call AAA. <laughs> Let him go through the process so of waiting. It's, you know, I was telling him, I said, well, you, you didn't go prepared as much. You did bring some, did you bring water? Did you bring duct tape? Did you bring some tools? Did you bring a spare tire? Wait a second. Did you, when you went off in the middle of whatever uh, in everywhere, you know, I had all my gear, man. I was ready to rebuild my engine if I had to on the side of the road. I was prepared. When you were a teenager? Yeah. Oh yeah. We always did. Okay. We always, Steve and I, we always took tools. We took stuff. We were ready, man. Okay. And we were eager to help others if they were stuck. Hey, we got you covered, man. We could rebuild your engine oh, right brother. here. Let's go. Which we really couldn't, but it was we, we thought we could. It must be a guy thing. It is. My dad used to do the same thing. He'd bring a toolbox and all kinds of stuff. In so the kid blamed me for his unpreparedness. Now, this is some Generation oh. Z terminology. Oh, yeah. He's going to turn around on the parents. He did. He goes, this is years of how you raised me. I should have been raised better. Whoa. I said, what are you talking about? He goes, you and know. they're fighting words. Yeah, I know. I said, this, is, this was his logic. Okay, let me hear He it. said, instead of you telling us stupid, goofy stories, you could have been educating all of us because I'm just like my older brothers. They drive unprepared, They, which they don't. They're pretty prepared now. But he's he's assigning blame to me as the father for the shortcomings of being prepared for all of my sons. And I said, I educate, I told you before you go do stuff, I tell, I warned you, need you a go bag. do this. Yeah. A go bag. I said, you got to get this, got to do stuff. He goes, yeah, but look at all the times you wasted telling us stories that, <laughs> that preoccupied us when we could have been learning. I said, so you want your whole childhood to be an education? He brought up two stories, which I thought were hilarious, but he blames me. He goes, do you remember, we've, told, we've, told, we've talked about the story before. Do you remember when I found that perfectly round rock in the desert? Mm-hmm. Like a geode, mm-hmm. and it was it was bigger than a softball, but not as big as a as a bowling ball. Yes, perfectly around. And I came running in the house with it, oh, and I ran to the freezer, and I said, "Get back, everybody, get back! Open the freezer!" And I put it in the freezer, and I slammed the door shut, and all the kids came running, and they were little. <laughs> they're all like, you know, they're like under eleven. Yes, years I did old. have a rock in my freezer. Well, I told them it was a dragon egg. No, I thought dragon yeah. or dinosaur. No dragon, dragon egg. egg. I can't and remember. I said, if you let this thing warm up. It's going to hatch and a baby dragon's going to come out. I said, so don't take it out of the freezer. Um, don't look at it for too long. Do you know for six or eight months, all those kids do would open the freezer and close it real yes, quick? Yes, and that stayed in my freezer for a really long time. It preoccupied the kids for a long time. The other one is we have this whiskey barrel. We, bought, <laughs> we got an old whiskey barrel. We were just know. talking about that. Yeah, and he, yeah. Br- he brings it up. And it had a little, it had a hole in the side of it and a plug, uh-huh. a little, I don't know, was it cork? Had, it was a cork Yeah, it was plug. a cork. It was a cork plug. So, it used to be in the house. Right, it was a decoration. Yeah, and we had it then, for... But the kids wouldn't stop messing with the cork. Right. They would take the cork out. They'd I'd play find with the cork. it everywhere. They'd lose the cork. So finally, one day, I said, okay. I said, one day, I said, all right. I brought the kids around. I said, you got to quit messing with this cork. Right. There's an animal that lives inside <laughs> here called a chipacabre. <laughs> and you're going to let it out. It's going to start clawing its way out if you don't leave the cork in. Man, I had no idea. Every kid has come back and told me how I traumatized them with the story. Yes, you did. It lived in our house. It lived in our house, and they'd walk around this barrel, 
And then every now and then I'd take something like a pencil and I'd throw it at the, at the barrel. And the pencil would hit the barrel from across the room and I'd go, did you hear that? Did you kids hear that? It moved. And they went, I did, dad, I heard it. Or you'd walk by it and hit it or tap it with your foot to make it move or something yeah. without. And I, they, they'd open the, they, they'd secretly open the little cork and look inside. They started putting food in there. Yes, they, they started did. putting potato chips. I don't even know. We, <laughs> you have to tell them we still have this barrel. We still have the barrel. It's outside. It's probably a time capsule right now it if we open it. it. Has, I'm sure it has Hot Wheels in it. Uh, it does Le have Hot Wheels. I'm sure. I know. I know the kid put Legos in there. Yes. And then I know that they put Cheetos in there and stuff like that. I don't think they put a sandwich. someday we're going to have to break that thing open, open and, and see what's, what's in it. <laughs> but he goes, that by was, the way, people it's outside. So you don't yeah. have to worry about the moldy food. Cause after a while I was like, it's outside, mm, but, it's outside. They, but they, uh, but he accuses me. He goes, it was those stories. And a lot like that, you know, instead of, instead of teasing us with those things, you could have taught us some responsibility. I'm like, hey, every day we're teaching, every day we're teaching responsibility. <laughs> This is just my way of uh, not being going insane as a parent. This is my levity. This is my therapy was giving you guys these kind of stories. So I don't know that I'm just saying that he, he went unprepared to the, to the ocean when I just mentioned it. I wasn't even mad. I just mentioned it. Yeah, so He's like, this is your fault. All your stupid stories. You never prepared us for anything. I'm like, okay, whatever, dude. <laughs> he could have approached me really nice and said, mom, you know, can you, put together some beach lunch or anything, you know, like a cooler or stuff. I I think I would have went with that, but no, he just blew out of here. Like going to the beach. No big deal. Yeah. You know, I got into an argument with my mom over a TV show the other day. I'm not surprised. Do you remember the TV show with Sally Field called the flying nun? Uh, vaguely. I don't know if I ever saw it, but it was I just do. a nun and she yeah. had a big white hat on shaped like a, looked like she had a paper yeah. seagull on her head. It, she had a habit that yeah. called habits. Okay. She had a habit that was really big and every now and then Augusta wind and she could fly a little bit. And my mom was telling me what a great TV show that was. And I go, all right, what was the point of it? Cause she could fly to do what? I don't know. Just to impress people? I don't know. I never Did she fly that. out over the ocean and save people? Did she fly from location to location and get there quicker? Was there some scriptural, biblical... And what did your mom say? So was there some scriptural, biblical, in the nick of time thing that she was able to save because she, could, she flew? And my mom didn't really have an answer. She goes, it was just a cute TV show, and it got canceled, and it was one of the best TV shows. I go, doesn't sound like there was a point to it. A flying nun is something that you do like in a commercial and go, hey, that was funny. That's it. They built a story around it. I think maybe you should go find them and go watch them and see. There, there can't be, there isn't going to be one person listening to this podcast that they can say <laughs> the flying nun was great and here's why. I There's no know. point to having a flying nun. I noticed you going back and watching 60s TV like I saw last night, Dick Van Tyke, which was a great show, Mary Tyler, then Mary Tyler Moore. Well, some of those I have a connection to just from being you know, it's super young. Yes, but very like, young. I watch entire episodes of Columbo. I'll yes. watch all those through. But I watch, I've been watching documentaries like Mary Tyler Moore has a documentary on her. Uh -huh. I've been watching some things like that just because I don't know a, a lot about some of those superstars of television from the 60s and early 70s. Like I'll, I know Sanford and Son, but I don't know much about the guy who played the son and where he went after that. So I've, he, I've been oh. watching some stuff just to kind of get yeah. I just confused gap. that with Chico and the Man because yeah, that Freddie guy, Prince. Freddie Prince died young. I yeah, remember that. he shot that. himself. He killed so himself. So that was like the end of the show. Once yeah. that, I mixed that up. Sanford and Son was something different. So but that stuff. was always going. MASH was always on. 
The um, Waltons. My the Waltons. Rockford Files. Little House in the Prairie. Yeah. I wonder how many people listening to the podcast are nodding their heads with us right now. <laughs> They're like, I grew up with all those same things. You so know? my dad would watch Black Sheep Squadron. Oh, yeah. With loved Robert Condrad. Yep, absolutely. I used to love that show. I used to watch it. My dad loved that show. That, yep. MASH. I think he li- liked all those. See, my grandparents movies. were like your parents, all those. Yeah. My, my parents... My, my 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 grandparents my grandparents heavily influenced my youth mm-hmm. but my when i'm living with my parents now and they got my mom got remarried and we had two other little brothers and we're now living in van nuys they were watching things like love american style <laughs> i used to watch that during the summer the love boat yes I um that. uh fantasy island fantasy island there, there was all those things that they would watch. Now, I was Chips and the A-Team. I was good with that stuff. Happy Days. Night Rider. Yeah, but there's definitely a disconnect between my parents and my grandparents on what they thought was funny. Yeah. You know what the one they would argue over and get mad at the dinner table? Because we had a little tiny TV in our kitchen. Uh-huh. And we, my dad built a little uh, um, uh, a nook for us to all sit at for dinner or meals. They would play... Name that tune. Oh my God. I don't I know if that. Name anybody, that tune in two notes. Right. I don't know if anybody <laughs> remembers that show, Name I That do. Tune. But they would be. I'm good at that game. My, my da- they'd be like, I can name that tune in five notes. My dad would yell, I can name it in three. My mom would say, I can name it in two. Yes. Then they would both argue over what the thing was. And when it, when the TV show progressed and it showed the answer, my dad would go, that's not what you played. Those two notes are not from that song. You got it wrong. That You played that in E minor. <laughs> he's, he's yelling at the TV and my mom's that's yelling funny. back at him because she got it right. What about, what about Family Feud with Richard Dawson? You know, when he used to kiss all the girls? They said that he kissed over 20,000 women on that show. My grandma used to just roll her eyes and just be so upset. <laughs> I'll never forget that. Upset. She would be upset with him. Kiss- Look at him kissing all those girls. And I'm like, grandma, it's fine. It's- he says, no. She'd get so upset over that. I just remember. But he kissed all- <laughs> my, every single one. My great grandma used to babysit me when I was like six yeah. once in a while. And there was an hour of the day I wasn't allowed to, to make a sound. When was that? Price is Right? Price is Right. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. Come on down. You're, You're the, the next, next contestant, contestant on, on the Price, Price is right. right. You cannot, I could not Bob make a Barker. sound. That's right. That was a part of the, the sick thing. When you were homesick from school. You watched, yeah. It was 7-Up or Ginger Ale, Price yep. is Right. Yep. Vicks Vapor Rub. <laughs> yep, that was it. You could sit in your pajamas all morning, but. Good times, good times. Well, listen, oh, um, I This was a great podcast. This was the worst podcast we've ever Oh, I loved it. Going down Nostalgia Road. Yeah, but we started off with 30 minutes of mechanic talk. Well, I got to say something about my grandson or our grandson real quick. Can I? I, The phone call? I doubt it. You can't. You'll go on forever. Okay, you got 60 seconds. Go. Okay, so my grandson started playing Heyday. I play Heyday. I've been playing Heyday for 10 years, and he is now... I introduced it to him when I go to Vegas and I show him and I said, Hey, you can just feed the animals, whatever. He loved it so much that he found out, I don't know where he's playing it, but he's playing heyday now and he has his own farm. So every other day he's calling me on the phone to FaceTime to, <laughs> for me to help him build his farm. And that's why the phone rang a little earlier on the podcast is because he's waiting for Grammy to, to call him. 
All right, you did it. You did it under 60 seconds. See, pretty good, huh? So can I officially say Loud Trouble LLC Heavy Duty Coast to Coast Movers has supported and brought to you the worst podcast ever. This is not the worst. I disagree with you. He's going to call me and go take my name off that podcast. No. All right, I'll make you a bet right now. You can name the stakes. I'll make you a bet that after this podcast has been up a week, and we compare it to all the other podcasts at their weekly numbers, this will be the lowest one in like three months. Well, what? wait, lowest one in three months? Yep. It'll be after you can measure each podcast by its viewers, its downloads, its listens at seven days. I don't think it's going to be the top one. Lowest one. It's not going to be the lowest one. I know it yeah, won't be worst, the lowest one. No, yeah. I, it's not. Okay. Would you like to bet on? I'll bet anything you want. You name your stakes. This is going to be a freebie for me. I'm just going to win. I don't know what I want to bet. Well, if I win, you have to swim in the backyard for 15 minutes, topless at 10 o'clock at night. With nobody around, just you and me. And whatever neighbors peek over the fence. That's fine. Okay, what do you want? And don't tell me you have to vacuum in like a little maid's outfit or something because I'm not. I want a shopping spree to the store of my choice. No, you pick one. I'm not having you go to Jared's or jewelry store. Okay, um, Hobby Lobby. Hobby Lobby. Okay, but I get to go with you. Wow, wait a second. <laughs> Once the car... No, then you have to go with me when I have to go in the pool. I'll go topless in the pool. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. Dude, that... Okay. <laughs> I just want to push the cart, and then when the cart is full, we're done. You, you know you've been down that road before. Yeah. You, ha- you have... I've lost I've that I've played bet. Tetris before. Okay? I know. I did lose that one One shopping time. cart? One shopping cart, yeah. And I can fill it to the brim? Just to the brim. You nope. can't. Okay. I, this thing. As long as it doesn't fall out of the no, shopping cart. No, this thing can't look like the Beverly Hillbillies nope, moving to LA. It. Yes. If I, it cannot fall out of the shopping cart. On its own. If I win. You're not bringing bungee cords in a tarp. No, on its own. Okay. Deal. Okay. This will be the lowest podcast. Come on, people. Come on, people. <laughs> Spread the word. Don't, Spread the word. Don't anybody share this podcast. Don't listen to it again. Wait, is there really proof that I'll yeah. be able to say it? it's not just your word? No, no. I can show you because we can go into uh, like on Spotify. It's not going to be the worst podcast. It will be. It'll be no, the lowest, lowest no. viewed, lowest listened to. I disagree with you. It was shitty. The whole thing in the beginning this was, was shitty. This was great. This was not great. You better be preparing yourself for Hobby Lobby and there's no time limit. You cannot rush me out of Hobby Lobby. You better be prepared to go swimming topless out back. That's fine. Okay. Whatever. I'm not going to rush you through. I'll do it during through. the day. I don't care. I'm not going to rush you through Hobby Lobby. Okay. People, you heard him. He's not rushing through Hobby Lobby. No. Does he realize how big Hobby Lobby is? No, he does not. Why? How big can a Hobby Lobby be? can't be bigger than like... We'll see. How big is a Hobby Lobby? Prepare to spend your whole day there. No, no. Come on. How, it can't oh, be bigger... Oh, no. You can't go back now. We I made didn't. a bet. Is it bigger than a Costco? Mm, no. Okay. Well, I'd be okay. I can go through a Costco. I'm all right. Not as big as a, maybe a Sam's Club. I think Costco is bigger than Sam's Club. They're close to being the same. It's as big as a Sam's Club. A Hobby Toys Lobby? R Us. No. Bigger than Toys R. Yeah. Bigger than Toys R Us. Mm, I'd say close. Holy crap! What are they selling a Hobby? How much room do they need? Yeah. Well, you brought it up. You picked the storm. You're in it now. Well, because you've been... Everybody, click that like button. No, just... There is no like button to click. I don't think there is. But anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, so how would you know? Views, listens, downloads. Like, I'll know. You can line them up and go, how did this podcast do in the first seven days? It'll give you a number. That's all. All right. 
All right, so you better start exercising because you're gonna have to exercising. Have, you're gonna have to have that swim body out there in a little bit. You oh know, my you're gosh. gonna lose. People, people really, really like this podcast. No, don't share it. Don't even listen right. to it twice. All right, love you all. It was a great fun. I enjoyed the podcast. You got to go to the airport. Yeah, you got to go. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Goodbye. See you later. All right, she's done. We're out of here. Small editing to do, um, but not bad. We will uh, catch up, you guys. It's been about an hour. Oh, we got we went a little bit long today. I'm sorry about that. Listen, I got to go too. The music should be coming up right now. Thank you guys for tolerating one of the world's worst and slowest minutes podcast on the history of the planet. But if you're still sticking around, uh, make sure you take a big gulp of Coca-Cola when you're done. Rub your eyes and get back into the world because I'm sure this podcast drained every ounce of energy out of each and every one of you. All right. Well, it's going to be put out there on time. That means that uh, that Joe and Two Bear had to buy donuts this morning and enjoy them with their coffee. Hope you guys had a good time listening, along with everybody else around the planet. Wherever you go, there you are. Thank you guys for tuning in. AM, FM, Sirius XM, or maybe somewhere on the planet on the Armed Service Radio Network. Thank you very much for tuning in. Remember one thing. I'll catch you guys on the flip side. Bye.